what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we'll ask the question to incubate or not to incubate. We'll discuss an article about business incubation and determine whether it's something that you should consider, which may come down to whether you prefer IPAs or Chardonnay. Have you done your homework? And by homework, I mean market research. Today, we'll be talking with Deanna Day with the North Carolina Small Business and Technology Development Center about how to do research for your business without breaking your budget. And finally, of course, we'll be highlighting some small businesses of the month, which are small businesses that you should be checking out that have uh, come across our radar that we find pretty interesting. So stay tuned for that. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great. I can't speak. I guess I'm still basking in the glow of the Philadelphia Eagles World Championship. Is it still football? I, you know, well, well, we'll say congratulations to a Philadelphia boy and, and to the Philadelphia Eagles. Congratulations to your team. I know you're enjoying that as, as a Wake Forest alum. You're not enjoying basketball season as much, so we'll, we'll savor football season as long as we can. That's exactly right. We have Good football team at Wake Forest, at least the last couple of years. The Eagles, it's amazing. We win a Super Bowl every 60 years, whether we need it or not. But you know what? We're excited. Well, I'm glad that uh, you were able to live through this and remember it uh, and not have yet reached senility. But, exactly. Well, we'll let our it probably reader, won't happen in my lifetime again. We'll so let our listeners excited. determine the senility part. So, uh, <laughs> well, so that's already a given. So... I was uh, reading my Atlantic magazine. Yeah, that's sort of a name drop to show I was how cool say, I'm impressive, I yes. And it had an article on a company called WeWork, which was started in 2010. It's sort of it's an incubator company, business incubator company. Mm-hmm. And they have, frankly, an outrageous business valuation of $20 billion. And they started in 2010 with the goal of building what they will say is more than shared office space, but they're trying to build community. And they've got over 170,000 people in 207 locations in 20 different countries. They encourage their members to mingle, network, and leverage each other's talents. And I, I guess I'm always I'm, I'm always interested in the incubator concept for small businesses, and that you know, in my view, if it if it's something that helps people get off the ground and and hopefully saves them money by having shared resources, it could be a good thing. And uh, don't know, Gary, if you've got uh, thoughts on incubators. I mean, we here at our community college actually we're fortunate to work with uh, uh, a group. Uh, that has a manufacturing incubator that that has done some good work, but you know, as far as incubators, any any thoughts that uh, you have on when it might work and you know, good, good, bad, or indifferent? Well, it does depend on the situation and the folks involved. I, I, I like the idea of obviously being able to help small businesses 
or potential small businesses get off the ground and sharing office space. Obviously, we are very fortunate to work with a group very closely uh, affiliated with us that does, I think, a really good job of doing what it takes to help the business idea become a reality. And of course, you got to be passionate. I think it's not just setting up the space. I think the reason that these companies are successful is because the support group that Dan and Tony and that team put together behind them. Yeah, and, you know, we, we work, and, and um, you and I are in western North Carolina. You know, we, we don't have that many high-rise buildings where we are. I mean, I, right. I, I, I mean no disrespect, but we work sounds like sort of a, a hipster entrepreneurship-type place. And something that they're doing that is uh, – they, they have a $20 billion valuation in that they've got a lot of investment things. So they must be doing something yeah, right. That's impressive. You know, um, you know, people are scratching their heads trying to, to figure out whether that's a fair value. Right. And I think if reading the article in Atlantic, even their CEO is questioning whether that is a fair value for their company and that there are other – Companies that do lease space that have more space that have a, a much lower lower valuation. Uh, something that I found interesting was uh, in, in the article it said that we we work is working on developing data harvesting sensors and facial recognition software so they can monitor how employees use their space and determine better ways to locate desks and equipment engage in meetings, and they can help companies that are leasing through them determine exactly how much space they need, which I guess that could be helpful. It also sounds somewhat creepy. <laughs> and, you know, when I think about myself, you know, gosh, I don't, I don't really want my boss to know how much time I'm spending doing internet gambling and, and other things. You know, that might be bad for me. Thank God my boss doesn't know these things. Well, that's something I needed to tell you about what Dr. Hinshaw is doing these days. Great. <laughs> we all have to worry about that. So, so anyway, it's uh, it's just an interesting concept, and and you know, to, it is to, interesting to, to me. Incubators can work. I, I I think that if you are incubating, maybe the folks that are also incubating, you're you're probably looking for some synergies mm-hmm. in in the the types of businesses out there. And, and I think that you need to be looking at your overall cost. And uh, some of the incubators I've seen just seem like regular leased space. So, uh, you know, unless there's some sort of economic uh, improvement to your company or the opportunity to uh, have uh, cohabitants that might – uh, be helpful to your company. To me, those would be the two big advantages yeah, to consider. I would, I would agree. So, so anyway, just uh, an article that uh, you can check out in this week's Atlantic, and 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 check out WeWork. It uh, it's an interesting company and an interesting concept. So, um, it's something for our listeners to chew on. I think that's great. I I'm, I'm going to check it out to see how they get to a valuation of twenty billion. Did 20, you say twenty billion with a B? With a B. Yeah, so anyway. Well, let's let's move on to uh, a topic that we want to spend some time in uh, today, and, and that's uh, uh, doing some market research for your small business. And we'd like to welcome Deanna Day to the Entrepreneur Exchange. Deanna, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you both for inviting me to be here. I really appreciate it. And Hopefully we can... I can provide some information and, and be helpful to 
some of those that are listening to us here today? Well, Deanna is a senior research analyst with the Small Business and Technology Development Center, and she's located in Raleigh, North Carolina. And Deanna, you, you've also been a small business owner with a, with a company called Bookworks? Well, yes and no. I'm actually, by education, I'm a librarian, but I spent several decades, I don't want to, I don't want to admit out loud how old I am, but many decades in, uh, as a marketing professional for a Fortune 1000 company. So I recognized the importance of market research and it was a very, very easy transition for me um, to make it to a market research position. Unfortunately, for I'm, I'm still very, very interested in marketing. I, I push it. Um, and I, I probably drive people crazy. I find very often that we don't always get educated about marketing and marketing research, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty rabid about <laughs> what I enjoy. Well, so, so um, you know, let's, let's talk about it from maybe some of our respective clients-type perspective in that, that uh, you work with small businesses and growing businesses, and, and Gary and I work with small businesses and startups. And you know, just in terms of market research, it's probably not the first thing that they think of when, when they're getting uh, ready to get into business. You know, why, why should they be thinking about it? Probably the most important thing to a lot of small businesses is they often need financing. And in order to obtain financing, they're going to have to come up with a pretty um, solid business plan, strategic plan, marketing plan. And unless they do some marketing research and really sit down and think about this, they are not going to be able to create that plan to present to the bankers who might hold their future in their hands. So that's one of the most important things. But to be successful... It helps to know who your potential customers are, who your current customers are, helps you identify new markets, uh, places that you might want to approach, or new products that you might want to sell. We talk about SWATs a lot, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Understanding those things and being able to do that kind of analysis can kind of help you find your place within the marketplace and within the industry and help you find a niche and I think that's, also identify customers. Sorry to interrupt, but you just hit that's me. Okay. When we're talking with our students and having classes, it's great to hear that there's a real live application of a SWOT analysis. Because sometimes I said, do, you really, do people <laughs> really do that? And I said, absolutely. Um, actually, I do a lot of training and I, I often provide training, uh, not just for small business owners, but also for some, um, well, for example, the vet school. I've been over there. And yes, we actually do SWOT analysis. And I, I probably force these guys to do it against their will, but they always come out with something positive after the fact. They've learned something about themselves, and they certainly learned something about their competitors. So yeah, it's very useful. Yeah, and, and I suspect that if it's something that people do uh, at different times during their business cycle, they're going to come up with some different information and conclusion, and, and, and some of the things in a SWOT analysis will change over time. Well, it should, and I can't stress this enough, and usually when I do a presentation, I know, Jeff, you sat in on at least 
a little bit of mine. I don't know if you were there for um, both of them that I did at our most recent training. I try to encourage people to do this annually. I mean, you have to look at your marketing plan and your strategy. You should be looking at it constantly. It should be evolving constantly. A competitor can go out of business. A new product can be introduced. There can be regulatory changes. So things are constantly changing, and that's going to change how you are responding to the marketplace, how you're responding to your clients. Um, but on a formal basis, at least once a year, you should be reviewing that market plan and reviewing those slots to see what changes, how you're going to uh, respond to that competitively. You know, the, the old business plan that gets uh, stuck on the shelf and collects dust is probably not very useful to anyone. So, so when, 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 you're, when you're thinking about market research, uh, you know, traditionally things are broken out between primary and secondary research. So what's, what's the difference between the, the primary and secondary research that folks should be thinking about and, and, and doing? That's a great question because I don't think a lot of people even realize there's a difference. There are benefits to both. Secondary research, as an example, is very available, easily accessible. All you have to do is go to your computer and type in U.S. Census Bureau into the browser, and you've got hundreds, thousands, um, hundreds of thousands of data points that you can use uh, to learn about your business and the industry. So secondary research is something that's been, to put it very simply, something that's already been collected by somebody else. Some of the disadvantages of that are that it's not always timely, and it's not proprietary to you or your company. Primary research is something that you, and again, putting this very simply, you are collecting yourself. It is your proprietary information. It could be as simple as querying your own customers. It could be observing people walking down the street, parking their car, looking for a parking place near your building. All of that's primary research. Any information you have in your client database about billing, about your customers, their paying habits, their buying habits, that's all your private, proprietary, and personal information. That's also primary research when you compile that and draw draw conclusions from it. That's usually very timely, and it's also very personal. So it's very helpful. I'm, I'm going to mention for those that might be listening, there are ways to professionally survey your customers, not just using your own internal data, but there's, for example, a company called SurveyMonkey, where you can create very professional surveys of your clients or your customers or your prospective customers. Um, very simply. So there are ways for you to obtain this information mm-hmm. aside from focus groups, but you could also create a survey using SurveyMonkey. I do like to caution people. Um, too many surveys will turn people away from you, and you really do need to think out what it is you're trying to find out from a, from a company before you or a prospective customer before you send a survey. It's not something you want to do on a daily or weekly basis by any means. Well, and and I think identifying those objectives and getting to them in a reasonable amount of time, I, I yeah, I suspect we've all gotten surveys that seem to go on and on and on, and and you know, sometimes I don't know when I've stayed at a hotel or something, they'll send me a survey, and 
you know, after the 10th page, it's like, you know, good gosh, how much longer is this? And I, I might not finish it because it just, they're, they're taking up too much of my time. There's too much there, right? Well, one, one great thing, well, two great things about SurveyMonkey, and I don't mean to be pushing a product, but you can use it at no charge if you limit it to 10 questions or less. But you can also get an evaluation of your questions. Um, it will help you write a better survey. And I'm sure there are other low-cost products out there. That, that one just happens to be pretty well known well and, and we, yeah. we, we certainly like to uh, recommend things to our listeners that are you know free and easy to use and that's that's a that's right. a good lead so thank you for that so so you you know you, you talked about getting on your computer and typing in census bureau <laughs> <laughs> that's when it when it comes to doing basic internet searches and research are there are there Best practices, or there are things that people should be avoiding. Um, you know, what's you know, how do you how do you how do you uh, encourage folks to, to do that and get some useful information? I'm not going to underestimate Google or even <laughs> Wikipedia. Um, Wikipedia is great if you don't know anything about the topic you're trying to research. It's very very helpful, just as Google is. It will at least provide a definition for you, and it will help you determine where you what your next steps are so i i don't i i hate to say that in front of a dean of a business school but i i don't um discourage people from using either one of them i do discourage people from using them solely um we need to be able to attribute or cite or or find some solid evidence to support some of the things that you find there but very often they do have some resources that you can um, utilize further. There are a lot of free resources for doing research, as you already mentioned. Um, the Census Bureau is absolutely fabulous. That's the best data collection, I think, in the world. Um, and I don't know how many of our listeners might know this, but the reason we have a Census Bureau is because the U.S. Constitution mandated it. We have to do a full census every 10 years, primarily to determine how many representatives will be in the House of Representatives. But we are now collecting so much information, and we do a very good job of it, that we can tell you all kinds of facts and and trivia and data points about the population. And we do consider that 10-year survey to be a 100% um, survey of the population. Now, on an annual basis, we currently also are doing what they call um, the American Community Survey, where 10% of the population is surveyed annually. So we also have updated data that they provide on a rotating basis. You can go to U.S. Census Bureau. You can look at American Fact Finder or Quick Facts, either one, and get a lot of um, especially with quick facts, you can compare various zip codes, cities, states, populations, and get a wide variety of data, everything from population to ethnic groups to uh, housing values, median income, uh, whether they have insurance, how many veterans there are, and you can view that um, and compare different locations side by side. You can download this in a spreadsheet 
and in fact, I'll make a plug for myself. I do a lot of webinars on training, so we'll try and make that available um, to Jeff so that people can see. This is a very dynamic tool that's provided to us these days. It's not There's so much information, it's almost impossible to download everything, but we can see this on our computer screen right in front of our eyes. So using the quick facts, that's all there right in front of us where we can compare venues and locations and get a feel for the population. This is very important to start determining, as an example, how many people live there, how many might buy the product, what is their age group, what's their buying power. And then we have American Community Survey where we can delve much deeper. We can even run uh, queries. There's over 3,200 different tables. It gets a little bit iffier, but the data is there. And they do have a step-by-step uh, -step tutorial for us. We can even create maps using Census Bureau data. So we've got a lot of options there, and those are all at no charge. Another great tool is uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics. And I'll, I'll admit, until recently, I kind of shied away from that, and I don't, I don't know about um, Gary, if he, how he feels about it, but it seemed kind of old-fashioned previously, but they have really updated the site. There's a load of information. If you're wanting to hire or if you're wanting to create job descriptions or if you're wanting to know average pay scales for your location, or compare them if you were going to open a facility somewhere else, Bureau of Labor Statistics is where you want to go. There's loads of information there. So, so those uh, are all free, provided by the government. So, so I mean, for as far as the Bureau of Labor Statistics, if I'm putting together a business plan and trying to determine what I might be paying people I hire for particular positions and particular locations, that would that would get me in the right place. Absolutely. Yeah. Helpful. I mean, there are other tools that you can also use. Some of the, and people typically have heard of Indeed, for example. I find that pretty useful because it's on a regional basis, it's providing comparisons of jobs that have actually been posted there. And there's usually quite a bit of data. But BLS, or Bureau of Labor Statistics, has a wealth of information about, about the entire United States. And it, it, it's very granular because you can get information on regions. Mm -hmm. I would be able to get regional information on the Hickory area, for example. No, I think that's a good source. I compare that to Raleigh if needed. Even if I'm old-fashioned. Yeah, Dean Muller is old-fashioned. He's old. He, he's, he is contemplating getting a computer in the near future, though, so <laughs> that should be good for him. <laughs> no, I thought the site looked a little dated until recently, mm -hmm. but they have... They have really upped their game. It's very impressive. Now, now you also mentioned developing maps, which I would think would be useful uh, in you know if you wanted to, to if you were contemplating a a um, retail location or a location for your business. And you know, one thing that we haven't talked too much about is uh, doing research on your competitors. Um, I, I would think that some of these tools would be of assistance to that. Obviously, uh, you know, none of us are going to sleep on Google and, and going out. You can, you can certainly start that route. Are there other ways that you can be researching your competitors out there? Um, yes, and I think I would probably move over to another resource, 
and the one that's available in North Carolina is called MC Live. That is available to anybody in the state who has either a public or an academic library card, or if you own a business in the state of North Carolina. You don't necessarily have to be a resident. If you own a business here, you can also access NC Live. This is a consortium uh, of libraries who have put together a package of electronic databases and tools that are available, again, to North Carolina residents or business owners. But every state has something similar. So in Georgia, you've got Galileo. South Carolina, you've got Discus. Tennessee, you've got TEL, or the Tennessee Electronic Library. And there are plenty of resources there for business owners. And in fact, they usually have a drop-down menu that you can choose uh, business and management, for example, or data and demographics, for example. And sometimes, for example, in North Carolina, they will pull quite often from Census Bureau data. We have something called Access in North Carolina. It's going to give you uh, demographics and data that's specific to our population. They're going to have something very similar with the other states. I tend to use it a little bit less and I go directly to census because as I mentioned about that ACS survey that's done um, of 10% of the population every year, I get those rolling changes, those estimates. And usually for our purposes, um, the margin of error is so slim that it's not going to affect us deeply. So that 10% rolling average is, is great information. But they have other things at NC Live or Galileo or Discus that are very helpful to us. Um, one that I use very often is RefUSA. And I don't know about you guys, but it seems like uh, probably four out of six questions I get are from clients who want to pull a list. They want a list of their competitors or they want a list of prospects. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't question them because unless they know exactly what they want to do with the list, it's not always very helpful just to have it on hand. But with RefUSA, we have a couple of options that really aren't available too many other places and at least not available at no charge. One, I can pull a list. If you were to tell me you want a list of your competitors within a certain 50-mile radius or 100-mile radius or within zip codes, I can actually, using NICS codes or descriptive keywords, I could pull a list of that for a client. I can teach, I can teach an end user how to do it very, very simply. It's a simple process. And another good thing with some limitations, um, I can get information on small and privately owned companies. If you've ever tried to get profiles of companies, unless they're publicly traded, there's not always a lot of information out there. Ref USA, again, with some considerations, and mostly being that a lot of the information might be modeled, so you have to put everything into context, but I can get information on smaller and privately owned companies, which might not be available to us otherwise. And, and, and De something else. Uh, Deanna, Go ahead. I'm De sorry. Deanna, when you say Ref USA, is that is also known as Reference USA? It is. Okay. Thank you. I'm sorry about that, but yes, it is. Okay. There's a lot of other information aside from just company or business information from Reference USA or Ref USA. Um, 
there's also information on doctors or medical professionals. There's information on new businesses started. So new businesses, how would that perhaps, or also on uh, consumers who have moved. Those things might all be useful to a new business. They're looking for new consumers. They might want to see who's moved into their neighborhood. Um, I've had requests from people who wanted to start an urgent care, as an example. So they wanted me to look at that uh, medical professional. So I wanted to see how many were in the areas that they were considering for opening the urgent care. Is it like have so, have, have have like something for clumsy people or something like that? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, there's also a historical business database now with Reference USA. So you could look at an address. Let's say you wanted to open a restaurant and there was an existing building that seemed appropriate. You could go back and look at that address and see what else had been located there and get some general information about maybe why they weren't there anymore. Hmm. Might give you some insight into whether you wanted to lease that building or buy that location. So Reference USA is another one of those tools that can be used. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. One of the most fun tools, though, talking about mapping, is Simply Analytics. And it's just loads of fun for lots of different reasons. Um, And I don't know if either one of you are that familiar with it, but I can create maps. Mm -hmm. I can pull data, hundreds of thousands of data points. If you want to know who owns dogs versus cats, I can I can tell you by neighborhood and by household. I can tell you how much cereal they bought versus how much bread they bought. Um, I can tell you if you wanted to open a neighborhood bar and restaurant, I could tell you who goes out to buy a beer versus who buys beer and takes it home. So we have all the tools from Nielsen, from MediaMark, from Simmons, and from Easy, plus the census data combined into Simply Analytics. And it allows us to create these great infographics, for one thing, um, and also schematics to help us learn more about the neighborhoods or about the locales or about the buyers. So we've got a little bit of demographic information and psychographic info- information. Does right. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. Sounds like you could go into some uh, rabbit holes and be gone for days if you're not careful. <laughs> well, that's the problem, especially for somebody like me. Because yes, <laughs> I can get lost in there, and suddenly somebody calls me and and reminds me that they sent me there for a reason. So yeah, there's a load of, of great information. But those are all. Those are free. Mm-hmm. Those are at no charge. The only thing that people sometimes um, have a little fear, so sometimes they need a little help getting started, and that is one thing that at the SBTDC, one of my roles is trying to help them learn how to use the tools 
and understand why it's so important to them. Because if you don't have a plan and you don't know where you're going, odds are you're not you're not going to get there. This helps you map your own destiny. So, so as you're when when you're working with folks, and and uh, you know, I think certainly certainly a, a great point, really, for why people need to be spending some time on this in terms of figuring out direction and and helping to shape their strategy. Uh, are are there typical mistakes that you see people make when they're conducting research? And uh, do you have any other suggestions that you you can share with us? Um. It's not just specific to market research, Jeff. I think the two things that I see most often, and again, I'm going from my history as a, as a marketer. Um, the two things I see most, one I mentioned was I want, I need a list. And I have to ask you why. Do you need that list and what do you intend to do with it? And, and because I'm, very often, I, and I bet that I bet most of the time people say, "Well, I, I want to reach my customers, so I need a list so I can sell them uh-huh. sell them something." Right, but but how do you know who your customer is? I mean, we can go down that rabbit hole as well. Have you defined who that customer is? Do they want your product? Will they buy your product? Who are they buying from now? These are all those questions that, with a good um, marketing strategy and market. Um, analysis and again those SWOTs then you would be able to answer that question and hone in on the list that you actually want and know what you want to do with it. The other thing that I get constantly is I need to set up a website always Mm -hmm. and my question is why and what do you intend to do with it because the answer is everybody does it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. And as Gary just said, you know, you, the people are doing it because that's what everyone else does. Everybody else does it, so I must need to do it. Sure. Why? Why are you intending to do it? And just because somebody else has a catalog on site or a price book online does not mean that's the way you want to sell your product with your client. So again, we're back to this whole, we need to research to understand who we're selling to and what we're selling and, and what our, what our mission and vision are and be able to define that information. So I find it absolutely fascinating. I realize that it puts some people to sleep, but um, it's so important. It's just, frankly, it's just as important as understanding your finances and, and your balance sheet. So, and you can argue that with me if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm open to debate, but I feel say, strongly about marketing and market research and, and how it fits in with, with business success. I think it's a definite place for it. And I don't think we emphasize it enough with our small and mid-sized businesses. So, I think you need to have the market information. Well, well, Deanna, we very much appreciate you you sharing your. I think it was more than two cents with us today. But uh, be, before before you go, tell us, uh, give a shout out to the the SBTDC and and tell people how they can, uh, at least in North Carolina, how they can access that and what you guys are up to. I would love to, um, and I'm going to probably use. Uh, I'm going to make it a definition that's very simple to understand. We are a local slash regional arm of the SBA. So we are representing the Small Business Association in the communities. We are located on every UNC campus. So we're working hand in hand um, with Jeff's group, except we're located on 16 campuses 
uh, of, of UNC GA. And then we have a uh, administrative office here in Raleigh. We provide no and very low cost counseling to small and mid-sized businesses. And this includes financial counseling, this includes market counseling, market research, market planning, sales planning. We provide training. We don't provide loans, but we can help you. We can help small business owners get the information together to apply for a loan or find a funding resource as needed. And we deal with all kinds of businesses ranging from restaurants and food kitchens to we have a tech commercialization division as well. So even high-end technology. And, and, and you can reach us at, you can go to our website at www.sbtdc.org, or you can reach me at D-D-A-Y, and that's D-Day, I hate to say that, but D-Day at sbtdc.org. I, I find, we would love to hear from I find it. I find it to be a very memorable email address, but go ahead. <laughs> SBTDC has been a very good partner to to my group, the Small Business Center Network in North Carolina, and, and uh, we very much appreciate you uh, joining us today and, and sharing some great information for how people, not only in North Carolina, but uh, pretty much anywhere can be accessing some of these various databases and, uh, you know, or, or using SurveyMonkey to conduct research in a pretty low-cost type way, so... So, Deanna, thank you so much uh, for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you again at uh, a future conference or uh, uh, you know some sort of event. So, so thank you so much. Yes, thanks for being thank with us. Thank you for having me. And if you have, if anybody has questions, be sure and be in touch. We'll be more than happy to work with you. Okay. You guys have a great weekend too. Uh, we will. You uh, you enjoy uh, the the beautiful North Carolina February weather, which is uh, hitting the seventies this weekend. So <laughs> we'll all we'll all try to enjoy that. <laughs> all right. Okay. Thanks so much, thank Deanna. You so much. All right. Well, thank you to Deanna. We're going to move on to our our small business of the month feature. And Gary, what uh, what small business uh, is have, have you have you come across this month? Jeff, my small business of the month falls right into my comfort zone. I can't talk this well today. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know what it was or why it is. I stayed up till 2.30 to watch the women's U.S. hockey team win the gold medal. Well, and it went into a shootout after overtime, so right, well, I'm a little tired. Okay, well, that's— But it's uh, awesome. Yeah, uh, USA, that's oh, okay. USA, so that's, that's exactly right. right. Well, mine relates to food. One of my adopted hometowns of Winston-Salem— and my oldest daughter's alma mater, Appalachian. It's a fresh off-the-food-truck hot dog business celebrating its first anniversary in Winston-Salem this month. The business is called Boondoggies, and it's owned by Drew Osley, a Winston-Salem native and a graduate of App State, so it's easy to see how the business got its name and its location. He graduated with a nutrition degree, so it's not so easy to see how he started a hot dog business, although he does say hot dogs are good for the soul. Of course, I love hot dogs, and so I'm glad a nutrition major has endorsed hot dogs as a healthy 
uh, food for them. And quite honestly, in honor of this small business of the month selection, I've had hot dogs three times this week. The business has grown rapidly, starting with just a food truck, and now he has a black and yellow truck to support his growing business. And as you can imagine, black and yellow tie right to his college roots. He's got a simple business plan, which I think is really cool for all of us to understand, and it served him well so far. He just serves hot dogs, a full group of toppings that, such as his candied jalapenos, homemade slaw, chili, and again, he sells his uh, fantastic hand-cut fries. Drew's following his father in the business who has Holy Smoking Barbecue Restaurant in Yadkinville. So I will end with a recommendation that you and I take a road trip to try out my small business of the month. I'm, I'm up for that, man. I just, so. You may have to chase him around Winston-Salem to okay. find out where he is, but pretty cool. All right. All right. Um, well, for my small business of the month, I, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of 50 now, Gary. And for most of my life, I had a wrong side to 50 in my book. Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, at least I'm in good company where I'm at. But uh, uh, I've sort of looked uh, looked down on the idea of doing yoga. You know, not for me. You know, I'm 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 in good shape and, and yep, who yes, you are. But as I'm getting older, I'm starting to creak a bit. <laughs> well, you know? I do understand that. You know? I don't know. Oh, that's, that's my gosh. shoulder. That's my shoulder. I heard it from across the table. All right, viewers from across that's the country. Right. Um, so I was reading in. Uh, so so I'm getting to the point in my life where I might I, I'm I'm open now to trying yoga and considering yoga. You know, and my wife does yoga and, and she speaks very highly of mm-hmm. it, and I think very highly of my wife. So there you go, good I'm, answer. I'm, I'm I'm open to this. So I was reading in Entrepreneur Magazine about a startup called, and I'm going to probably not pronounce it correctly, but it's called Vuori V U O R I, which means mountain in Finnish. And I, and I just found it to be a very interesting story that I'll share that, that seemed very appropriate for today's, today's podcast. It was started by a fellow named Joe Kudla, who was an athletic guy. And when he was about 40 years old, he uh, wanted to take up yoga. And he discovered that there was really no apparel brand for men uh, in, in yoga. And and he his market research showed there were about 17 million people doing yoga in the United States, and 6 million of them were men, and that was the fastest-growing demographic, and there seemed to be a market need there because there was no apparel brand there for men. So he started an apparel brand of uh, men's yoga clothes in 2015, but the sales were not particularly good, even though that the apparel was getting very well reviewed and, and people liked the clothes, but his sales were very sluggish. So, so he did some direct, uh, I guess, primary market research and started surveying his customers. And he found that uh, in terms of how his customers were using them, they were using them from all sorts of different athletic pursuits. But yoga was pretty far down the list. And as he started to talk more with his customers, furthermore, he found that uh, that although many female customers wanted to be identified as as uh, yoga enthusiasts or, or or whatnot, very few men would categorize themselves that way. They categorized them as uh, themselves as CrossFit people or surfer people, and they used the clothes for running and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But but a lot of men, for whatever reason, didn't want to characterize themselves as as, as heavy yogi. yoga people. So so he pivoted 
to what he now calls an active wear brand designed with West Coast daily life in mind, still, still called Vuori. And he now categorizes his brand, brand's products as training and travel and lounging. And the new strategy seems to be paying off for him. He's now in REI. He's in surf shops. He's in running stores. And he's getting picked up by Nordstrom's. And uh, they also have a store open in uh, California, and they're planning a second store in Southern California under the Vuori name, and uh, seems to be picking up. And I just thought that there was uh, uh, an apparel brand initially started for yoga for men uh, that has expanded into other activewear type things based on the research that he's done and listening to his customers. And we always try to emphasize, talk to your customers, listen to your com- customers. Uh, seemed to be a very good fit for today's show. So I think it's a perfect so, fit, no so, pun intended. But I no, think it's a good move. Uh, yeah, got a good product, but if it got to change the message or the mm-hmm. not just the target market because they're probably opening it to other people too. But I think that's a great message. You can check them out at www.vuoriclothing.com. That's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com. So give them a look, and uh, you might see something out there that uh, uh, works for you. So. And good research for you for research topic today. Yeah, Double all, research. I'm all over it. You know, when I'm not, when I'm not doing Internet gambling, I'm, I'm doing this sort of research. You continue to impress me every day, Thank Jeff. you. Thank you. If you've got a suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to, to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. We want to thank uh, Deanna Day for joining us today. And you can uh, find out about more about Deanna in the North Carolina Small Business and Technology Development Center, as Deanna said, at www.sbtdc.org. So check them out as well. And uh, we appreciate you listening, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next month. Uh, Thanks to The Mesh. Download us uh, at themesh.tv or subscribe at the iTunes store. Great. Look forward to seeing everybody next month. Well, maybe we'll just listen to each other. See you then. Bye. Listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.